It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined right now by a physician and epidemiologist, the former health director of Detroit, Abdul El Saeed. We saw each other yesterday on CNN. Abdul, how are you doing this morning? I'm well. You were you were fantastic as always. You were fantastic as always. <laughs> well, we, I, I felt we were fantastic as always. Thank you. It, 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 it's it wasn't the same as being able to sit next to each other in in the the room together, which is what we used to do in in the before times. Um, Abdul was basically my version of your dad, Serlina, when the pandemic was oh, starting. Yeah. He was the one that I would be like, wait, tell me about this. Like, what do I have to worry about this? Do I need to like seal off my mom's apartment hermetically? And he was wildly helpful during all of that. But we were on yesterday to talk about what happened in the elections. You have a new article out in the New Republic that says something that we basically started the show saying, which was how much does the pandemic have to do with Tuesday? And why aren't we talking about that so so why don't i why don't i start there like how how much of of mcauliffe's loss or any of the sort of surprising results one way or the other that we got on tuesday have to do with the fact that we're still in a pandemic i'll be honest with you i think a lot and you know the pandemic has become so ubiquitous that it's like the air we breathe right if somebody withheld water or food we would recognize because we actually only drink water what 10 times a day and we eat food three five times a day but we breathe literally multiple times a, a minute and uh, you take that away and it's over. But the pandemic has become that. It is so ubiquitous that you forget about it. You don't even pay attention to it because it is so clearly uh, fixed in the background. And we cannot ignore the fact that we've just come through uh, another wave that uh, thankfully is now starting to abet, has been abetting now for the past uh, past six weeks. Um, but the Delta wave, I think uh, not only was it a, a, a reminder of all of the anxiety and the panic of the pandemic itself, the risk and the worry about getting sick. But also when we're talking about the economy right now and we're talking about inflation and we're talking about, about uh, the, uh, the supply chain, what we're really talking about is the pandemic. All of right. these things come back to the impact of the pandemic. And so uh, we cannot forget about the single most important ubiquitous factor uh, in society right now when trying to explain what's happening in our politics. Yeah. It's it's such a good point. And I think even in the analysis of like the election in Virginia, for example, being about education, quote unquote, and, you know, even even I push back on that because I'm like, this is not about education. This is the cradle of the Confederacy here. <laughs> They're not mm-hmm. talking about education. They're talking about race. Um, I also think that some of the percentage, that quarter of people that answered their exit polling and said education was a big issue for them. I think they could have met the pandemic, too. I mean, there's no breakdown of, like, which part of education they were, you know, concerned about. Um, it just said education, right? And so education could be um, the, the school shutdowns at the beginning of the pandemic or ma- mask mandates or whatever. Can you can you talk about the ways in which maybe we're misreading more than one thing about um, uh, the elections that we just went through and maybe even upcoming elections? Because 
there's no guarantee there's not going to be another wave. And so I would prefer it if we figure out how we're going to respond before it happens so that we don't get caught up in the, this is about education. Um, And then we forget the fact that, you know, schools have been a very big part of the drama (laughs) in this pandemic. That's absolutely right. Like, I, I, I definitely agree with you, right, when, when they're talking about education, particularly the way that Glenn Youngkin weaponized, quote unquote, education that was really about race. Um, you know, make no mistake that when you close your argument in an election with an ad with uh, a nice white lady talking about how offended she was in a school, this is about race. If you're targeting Tony Morrison, this is about race. But the other aspect of schools, right, I think the reason that that attack and, and trying to frame it around education uh, actually worked and, and, and it uh, resonated with the Virginia voting base is because schools have been a shambles because of the pandemic, right? I, almost every parent has an experience of asking, you know, is my kid's school going to be open? What am I going to do? Where is my kid going to learn? And please don't tell me that Zoom is a, a, a fair replacement for my child's brick and mortar school. And I think um, that resonance, again, goes back to the pandemic. And so you're right, it, there's a way that the pandemic touches on every aspect of our lives that then allows it uh, to be, you know, very compelling uh, grist for political, political attacks by the party who's not in power. And then the other thing we cannot forget is the pandemic got as bad as it did, right, because of the party uh, that was kicked out of power back in, in 2020. And, um, and it's, you know, it's quite rich to watch Republicans come and talk about, you know, Biden's uh, handling of the pandemic or the pandemic economy, uh, when in fact, all he's been doing is trying to clean up the mess that was left for him back when uh, the opportunity to intervene and to intervene with some effect uh, was completely whiffed by the Trump administration uh, and all of the Republicans up and down uh, the, the government, state, local, federal, who backed him. Yeah, I mean, nobody has inherited a worse situation as president than Joe Biden. I mean, aside from possibly whoever succeeded Hoover, I can't remember now, but like it, it was that bad. And, and one of the things that you do in your piece in the new Republic is, is basically chart Biden's approval rating with the Delta variant, which seems like such an obvious corollary. Like what, why are like, he was at 55% (laughs) in May. Well, in May, I was indoor Mm -hmm. dining. I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm vaccinated and it's almost a hundred percent effective against COVID alpha. And I don't know anything about COVID Delta yet in May. I was feeling great. I, you know, I'm going to the movies, I'm going to yoga, like life is good. And now we've got Delta and now my vaccine is not quite as effective as it was before. And now I am not going to yoga classes and I'm feeling pretty freaking bummed about it. Um, you don't have to work that hard mentally to see how that sort of transition could map onto your feelings about leadership, right? Absolutely. The, the hard part, though, as humans is that we are hardwired to focus on what's changing right now rather than what's been consistent over time. And, um, you know, this is the, the, the paradox of ubiquity, right? When something is so ubiquitous uh, and so mission critical, we stop paying attention to it because it's not the thing that's changing day to day. So, you know, stepping back for a second and zooming out, you're like, ah, yes, major pandemic and unexpected <laughs> surge of mm-hmm. uh, an extremely transmissible variant uh, that that um, pierced some of our armor against it. Hmm. Maybe this might change the way people are feeling about their current circumstances. And maybe they might attribute that to the political uh, the, the political wins and, and the politicians 
uh, in power right now. The other point that we're not making is that Democrats always have a higher bar, right? You, you, yep. it's, it's easy to remember. I mean, it's easy to forget that Republicans run against government, right? And it's easy to, to mistake the argument for, quote unquote, less government for, quote unquote, worse government. So if you get worse government under Republicans, well, that's kind of what they ran for in the first place. But we've got a higher bar because we're the ones saying that government can actually be a force for good in people's lives. And when we don't meet that bar, i.e., uh, you have two senators, one out of Arizona and one out of uh, West Virginia, who are trying to put the kibosh on everything that we've been campaigning for for the past 10 years. Well, uh, then we don't meet that bar and it looks like we're in disarray. But, um, you know, we have to remember that we have a higher bar to, 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 to uh, rise to. And, um, you know, th- that that is going to uh, burden us when it comes to the polls. It's so true. If you set yeah. really low expectations, like government <laughs> is broken and then you get in there and then it looks a mess. Like, that's why I always joke that Republicans don't actually have any incentive to, like, govern because, as you said, they don't they don't believe in it. They don't want to <laughs> I mean, prove I, that it I, can work. My question always is, why are you going to run for a job you don't believe in? I find that a really sad life to live and lead and every day wake up and not go do the job that you actually have because you don't even believe in that that job um but you know that's what they want to do because they like the power um can you can you also talk about the ways in which because i am actually i'm still stunned every time i sort of like think about it just for too long that the republicans are pro covid spreading that's what they are behaving like people who believe that um you know that's fine that people getting sick and dying is fine as long as you know we're not shutting down we're not you know implementing mandates we're we're taking the government and out of everything except for doctors offices where women are pregnant or people are pregnant um can you can you talk about how far they've fallen i mean from like what's like morally acceptable what should be morally acceptable in 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 terms of their covid policy because it's not just that like they don't support you know effective government they've they've actually gone the opposite direction it's like the it's not just like negligence it's like intentional harm at this point especially in the case of ron DeSantis. It's sad to say, right? But if if you were to uh, if you were to take the U.S. map and you were to color it according to how many COVID deaths there were per capita, it would look a lot like the U.S. political map. And it's a very cynical thing to push an ideology against masking, against vaccination, when you know that it's going to cost the lives of the very people who support you. But this is where we are. And it's not even about COVID. It's about any form of power uh, that, doesn't, um, that, that doesn't emanate from Republican political leadership. So, you know, any journalism, any science, any form of expertise, uh, any honest assessment of history, there is a reflex pushback to that, a rejection against that, even when it's deadly, which is exactly what we're seeing uh, in the context of what happened with the Delta surge. So you have a really interesting perspective because you're both a doctor and you have been a politician. So you actually like you understand how campaigns work and how messaging works and you understand how the science works. What, if anything, should Biden be doing differently to communicate 
to us about the pandemic? Even even what should he have done differently to communicate to us about the Delta surge? I mean, honestly, he should have he should have been talking about the Delta surge uh, all the time. This is what we're doing. This is how we're solving it. This is why we're doing what we're doing. And I think especially now, while the virus is in retreat, they need to be pointing to all the things that they did to put the virus in retreat. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, there, there is a reality where this virus, in some respects, is going to do what it's going to do. And there's a lot we can do, i.e. vaccinating people. But uh, there are things that are out of control. But you need to be pointing to the things that you are right. doing that are educated by the science and demanded by, uh, by the experts um, and point to how that has helped to create the outcome uh, that we are now seeing. The problem is, is that uh, in so many respects, Biden was focused, the administration was focused on all of these other issues while Delta was surging, while supply mm -hmm. chains were grounding to a halt, while inflation right. was going up. Um, and it looked like they were not paying attention to the biggest issue of the day. And mind you, obviously, I've never you know, worked in the White House. I, I can imagine that there's a lot going on any given day. And of course, the nature of humanity is to focus on the things that are changing right now. But when they, when they were not spending what little precious uh, message time that they had talking about the major issues that people were experiencing every day related to COVID and attributing it to COVID, uh, they missed the opportunity to, to, to demonstrate what they were actually doing to take this on. And I I think that that's been the mistake. I think it can be corrected. I, if I were the Biden team right now, I would be talking every day about what we are doing to bring the Delta variant to a halt, what we are doing to bring more vaccinations to people, what we are doing to uh, take on the the, the the consequences of the COVID economy. Uh, but it's got to be you know front and center on your mind and what you talk about because people need to see you responding uh, to the issues that they care about. And unfortunately, I feel like you know circumstance and also you know strategy did not. Uh, did not lead to that. And uh, I think they've suffered the consequences. Unfortunately, I think we've seen that reverberate uh, around the country in this last election. How do they navigate the fact that inevitably, at you know, somewhere in the world, there's going to be an another variant that pops up that is We've already got Delta Plus. I mean, we already have Delta Plus. But, but I mean, here, you know, like something yeah. that we're monitoring that we're, you know, afraid we'll come here and then inevitably it does because airplanes exist uh and and then they have to deal with something new i mean that's always possible no matter what they're doing to your point so so how do they sort of in your view smartly sort of i don't know prepare us for that possibility and you yeah. know that eventuality because i feel like it's it's going to happen when i you hear that the whole continent of africa only has a 10 percent vaccination rate what I hear is, okay, well, there will, there's going to be another variant at some point because that's, well, that's just a lot of unvaccinated. The good news people. here, yeah, absolutely. And, and um, one of the things that the administration ought to be doing and has, should have been doing from the jump is making sure that we're equitably distributing vaccines around the world mm -hmm. so that we are uh, cutting off the potential for you know, the next variant. That being said, you know, in our country, uh, we've had um, we've just reached about 70 percent uh, of people who have been vaccinated with two doses, 80 percent uh, of people who have been vaccinated with one dose. That's that's people who are eligible um, me, That's adults uh, in this country. And that, that is good news. But then the other part of that is that, you know, Delta has really been efficient at spreading across the country, uh, unfortunately, and infecting people who are not vaccinated. Uh, which does, if they survive, uh, leave them with a level of acquired immunity, which 
um, does bolster our collective herd immunity as a mm -hmm. country. And so even if there were to be another variant that is um, as transmissible or more transmissible than Delta, it's unlikely that it would have the same population effect simply because mm -hmm. enough people do have some level of immunity, which is good news. But at the same time, it is important that people are out there messaging even right now that there is a potential for the next variant. This is why we need to uh, be preparing right now. This is why we're asking people to be get vaccinated and mandating that they do through their employers. Uh, and this is why we have a responsibility uh, to continue to uh, vaccinate the rest of the world. But you know, this is this is an advantage that I, I think the the administration has right now, as we're coming down in cases that they're not pressing. Which is to say, mm -hmm. this is what we did to get us here, and this is what we're going to do to prepare us for the next one, and hopefully protect us from that happening. But you're not hearing that uh, out of the White House. You're not hearing that from the administration. Uh, instead, the focus is entirely on the will they, won't they uh, between Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema, and the rest of Congress, uh, the, yeah. the rest of Democratic Congress. I mean, just the fact that we talk about the supply chain and inflation as much as we do and do not mention the pandemic in the same breath, I think probably, I, I mean, does everybody just feel like everyone is, everyone's over it? Like everyone's sick of talking about COVID, sick of hearing about COVID, sick of thinking about COVID. And so we're going to try not, like, do you think that that's a part of the calculation? I think that's part of it. I think it's also just the, the, the nature of people to uh, over-ascribe the agency that we have, right? So, right. you know, you have inflation and people are going to say, well, this is because of a new administration. And the, you know, first inflation is extremely complex. Uh, and also um, it's, there are very clear reasons that are beyond the actions of one administration that you can point to i.e. the fact that people have left the work workforce in droves, the fact that um, our production capacity is down because of this pandemic, and the fact that you, know, you have this sort of oblong demand, a high demand for some things and a low demand for others, uh, that is going to stress the economy. But, but that's just not how people think. People want to attribute outcomes to actions. Um, that's kind of how we think about the world. We, we overinflate our sense of agency. Maybe it's just like a profound human narcissism or something. But um, but that's, I think, why we just It's a defense mechanism. Willing. Yeah, it's we want to believe right. we have control. It's scary. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. If you, admit, right. if, you, if you have to, if you come to sort of terms with the fact that, number one, you're basically in danger at any given moment because you have no control <laughs> over over your, your well-being or your safety, that is actually like paralyzing uh, in, yeah. in a way. Like you, you just like stand so you're like, oh my God. Like, I literally have no control. Um, but that is actually the truth. And I think that that was one of the things revealed by this pandemic. You know, it's not like people had a choice to decide whether or not, you know, they really wanted to change their life. I mean, everybody's in different circumstances, but every single person's life changed from, yeah. you know, the beginning of this pandemic something when we first else. heard the name or word COVID. Um, and now, I mean, I remember back um, my my very last segment on set um, I, you know, because my dad's a biologist, I had a pretty good understanding of like the potential for what could happen, not the specifics, but the potential. And one of the things that he had explained to me that I understood because, um, you know, it was the thing that scared me. He was like, well, viruses mutate. So President Trump standing on TV and being like, we're going to have this all wrapped up by April and Jared Kushner being like, we're going to be rocking by July. He was like, yeah, nah, there's no vaccine. And it it mutates so 
good luck with, you know, you can't really sort of, it's not the kind of thing you want to predict, like a lottery numbers or something. Um, mm. um, and so I remember saying that and everybody being like, no, no, no. You're like getting interrupted, told I was wrong. Like, and now I'm like, oh God, like I, I realized <laughs> part of the, part of the resistance to what I was saying was that it just sounded too uncertain. We needed to know exactly yeah. what Donald Trump was supposed to be saying in that moment. And we needed to do the analysis of what he was saying because he was either right or wrong. And I'm like, whoa, okay, uh, guys, there's, we're about to head into uncharted territory. Cat's telling me I have to break. What? This is, yeah, I have no questions. I was a whole setup. It's okay. It's okay. Because we're, we'll just have you back because you should just become a regular feature on the show. Because every time you're on, I, I remember that, you should be a regular feature on the show. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> well, so that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. Um, but we really enjoyed talking to you this morning. And it's really it helped me um, yep. sort of start this Thursday with the understanding that, yeah, it's the pandemic, stupid. You know how they used to say yep. about the economy. It's exactly yep. that. Yep. Dr. Abdul El Saeed, thank you as always. And, and like, we're serious about it. We are going to call you back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me know. I'm happy to always, always happy to join you in the morning and uh, appreciate you all uh, educating folks out there and, and having these important conversations. And I look forward to it. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>